from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to have you here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We have started a little bit uh, back today, and uh, for those of you that have known the last couple of weeks, um, I have been under the weather. I have not been feeling that well and uh, unfortunately been run down. So in order to be here with you, and be here at full tilt, full go. I've uh, I've had to start a little bit back on uh, some of these days. So thank you for your patience and thank you for your understanding. I am not a man to quit. I'm not a man to not show up, but I am a man to try and get that rest and and try to get back to uh, to being healthy here. So thank you for your patience and thank you for your understanding. And if anybody else is under the weather or got anything going on, my prayers and my hopes are with each and every single one of you every single day. So with that being said, Papa Joe's Picks is up first. College football conversation. We're going to talk about the first college football playoff rankings. We're going to talk about Syracuse being ranked in all three polls in football. We'll talk about the Orange being 6-2, and two, Dino Babers, and some of the things that Floyd Little said. And so much more coming up here, as well as DJ Durkin being fired midseason and Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley being fired midseason. And what do Papa Joe and I think about midseason firing? So that is all coming up on the show in just a second. And then we're coaching with class with Katie Kalinske in just a little bit. We're going to talk about Syracuse women's basketball, men's basketball, and Syracuse football. And who would have thunk that all three of them who would have thunk who would have thunk with all three of them that we would be in a position where they would each be ranked in the top 25 at the same time and then from there we will go into the second hour of the show the fantasy football power hour proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub in the Penn and Trophy Center featuring Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame fantasyfootball.com and myself Dan Satora so plenty coming up today Right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. And now it's time to bring the man in. The voice is almost back. It's been three weeks, but the voice is almost there. So I think I think I can pull it off today as we welcome in Papa Joe. So, yeah, see, we're getting it. It's there. How, how are we doing today, Papa Joe? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine down here. Now, uh, Papa Jay, there's, there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot going on. Uh, this past Tuesday, October 30th, we saw the first college football playoff rankings, and that college football playoff rankings has Alabama 1, Clemson 2, LSU 3, Notre Dame 4. Agree or disagree with the top four so far? Well, I don't know where Notre Dame fits in all this. Um, I, I don't think an at-large uh, uh, team should be involved in this because it's not on a conference. Uh, notwithstanding that they're a, a good team, uh, they're obviously very good, but um, I'd rather stick with a, a one-loss team uh, at this at this juncture. And frankly, what I told you the other day is that I don't care who they put seated three or four. 
it's going to be Clemson and Alabama for the fourth year in a row or the third year out of four or something like that. But they're, they're just the two top teams are far and away uh, better than anything we've seen and what I've seen this year. And when we talk about Notre Dame, you bring up Notre Dame and the fact that, you know, they're a team that doesn't have a conference. Where would you want them to fit into this thing? Because I've said it before that if you want to force Notre Dame into a conference, you can make it very, very easy. And if you want to force them into a conference, all you have to do is essentially put them in a situation where you tell them that they are not eligible for the bowl season or they're not eligible for the college football playoff unless they're part of a conference. In that case, they would join the ACC and we would move on with our lives. Would you like that to be the scenario that they have to, if they want to be eligible for the postseason or if they want to be eligible for the college football playoff, that they're going to have to do what all the other teams that have made it there are doing, and that's be a part of a conference where they have to play substantial talent every single year. Certainly they should. I mean, the ACC, the SEC, or the Big Ten, whatever, uh, you know, they have to make a decision. But they're so full of money that I don't think they really care about all that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, they have a huge television network. You know, they have gobs and gobs of billions of dollars comes through their their university every year. They obviously don't need the money, but, you know, they're there. Uh, they need to really look at this uh, like the rest of the conferences and say, you know, uh, maybe I should get involved. Maybe I should get involved with the Big Ten, or maybe I should hook up with the ACC. <clears throat> There's another reason why I don't think that they're, they want to be affiliated, because they have to play hard teams every year. <clears throat> Notwithstanding the fact that maybe perhaps they have a, a decent schedule this year, but you know, if you have to knock heads with Clemson and Miami and Florida State or uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, Penn State, you know, and so on and so on, or dread the Southeastern Conference with Alabama, Georgia, Florida, wherever, you know, I don't, uh, they have to really make a decision. And I think if, if they were forced to do so, financially, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense for them to do that. So, you know, they'll go to a big bowl game and they'll, they'll make their bowl money. Uh, they just won't be part of the, the championship. Maybe egos will get in the way, maybe not, but uh, that's where I think they should be. The question that comes up and the question that arises with Notre Dame is, okay, so if they let Notre Dame in as an independent school, they let them into the college football playoff, but UCF goes undefeated for two years in a row and they don't get in, then what type of conversation are we having that UCF is in a conference that's not in the Power Five, but is trying to make a case for the Power Six and would be undefeated for two years, yet Notre Dame is an independent. How do you have the conversation that Notre Dame deserves it, but UCF doesn't? Good point. And uh, certainly UCF uh, should be part of any equation if we had more than four teams. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where uh, perhaps maybe there should be six teams involved in a playoff with two wildcard games. Uh, one of them, of course, could be for uh, a, a, like an independent like Notre Dame or someone from outside the conferences like uh, UCF. That would solve the problem. But you, you can't you can't equate the two you can't equate the two teams. Though I mean, UCF is a fine team. It's a wonderful team. Scott Frost did a great time, great job last year. He left the he left all the talent for the the new coach, and well, you know they're going to go on. They're probably going to go undefeated. Uh, 
but Notre Dame is a different story. They're, you know, they're, they're supposed to have one of the better teams in the country and they have most, most of, uh, most of the talent. So, you know, you can't compare the two teams, but you, you can, if you're talking about maybe six teams. And that's the, the big question that comes up is, you know, do they expand this? Because there's Power Five Conference. So, you know, when you look at the Power Five Conferences, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big 10, and the SEC, not everybody gets representation. Even if they did one from each, they're not all getting representation in this thing. And there's no space for Notre Dame in that case. And there's no space in that case for a team that's outside of the Power Five. So have we not put ourselves in a situation where we've essentially pigeonholed again? I mean, it's better than having two teams in the BCS, but it's still discriminatory. So, you know, how much better is the college football playoff? Is it better at all? Where do you see it? It's not going to be much better at all. Uh, I think probably the country should be ready for the possibility of two SEC teams going to be in the top four again this year. Because if LSU beats Flor or LSU beats Alabama, you know you're going to have both teams with one loss uh, records, and both of them are one of, are two of the best teams in the country. So it's conceivable that the the playoffs could include the two SET teams, just like was last year. So there's no easy answer to this, uh, uh, but they got to do their due diligence. They're going to have to figure out something else. Maybe they got to work with the bowls work with the TV schedules and so on and so on and work with the other conferences and get more teams involved. I think six teams would be perfect. But uh, as of now, if, if LSU beats Alabama, you're going to see two SC teams in there against against maybe uh, Michigan or Washington State or Oklahoma or whatever, you know. And, and that's, that's the place that, you know, we have to look at right now is the fact that Alabama is going to be have a spot. The ACC will have a spot. The SEC will vie for a second spot, typically from year to year, and then we'll have that wild card spot. Clemson is undefeated, but are they in a place where you know they could be in any danger? They played Texas A and M, and Dabo Sweeney played up against Jimbo Fisher. With Jimbo Fisher now at Texas A and M, the game was close. They used to be fun when it was Clemson FSU. It was 28-26. Then Syracuse went into Death Valley, and they almost stole one away. Since then, they played Wake Forest, who's had all types of trouble, who fired their defensive coordinator during the season. Uh, NC State, who, who's been playing them close, they blew them out. Florida State is in all kinds of trouble. Now they have to play Louisville, who's whatever, not any type of a, a threat. They're 0-5 in the ACC. But then Clemson goes to Boston College. Then they play Duke, which I anticipate they win. They play South Carolina. So maybe Boston College is the only threat at this point. But is there a weakness to Clemson that you see? Because it seemed like Syracuse had exposed a little bit, but then this team just kind of wreaked havoc after that. And, and, and I feel like Dabo Sweeney is that type of coach. When somebody almost beats him, then they spend the next few weeks just blowing everybody out. So is there any weakness to this team? I don't see any. Uh, I saw the last two games we you just mentioned against NC State and Florida State, and uh, I was shocked at how easily they manipulated and pawed Florida State. I, I don't I don't remember a Florida State team being that poor, uh, lack of coaching, whatever you know. Uh, I, I don't I don't see that. 
Boston College could be a little bit of a, a, a deal there, but you know they're they're strong. They're and I think you go back to what Sweeney did is he he made the quarterback change. It took a lot of nerve to do that. And frankly, he just ushered a senior out the door, you know, and put a freshman in there. Now, if you follow recruiting, you know that this Lawrence kid was was the best quarterback that come out of high school, period. And he he signed to go to Clemson. So um, making that change, it made it, gave, it made it a little bit of a jolt. I mean, they just it just sort of picked them all up and carried it forward. The defense we know is going to be strong. They're going to have four first rounders defensive line mostly uh so you know Dabo is uh he's just like Saban you know they're they're masters they're they're masters at manipulating things and he manipulated this perfectly he knew exactly what he was doing he knew that this freshman was going to carry him through I don't see any team standing in their way that coming from Papa Joe here with college football talk every Thursday morning to start the show on wake up call with Dan Tortori and Papa Joe's picks uh, Papa Jay, Syracuse, they're 6-2. and two. There's a lot of things to say about Syracuse. Number one, they're 6-2. and two. Number two, they are mathematically, now not saying that this would happen, but mathematically they could still win the Atlantic Division. And the reason why I say that is because this is a team that's typically 7th out of 7 in the Atlantic. Mathematically, they're still in the race. They are tied with Boston College at 6-2 and two overall. BC is 3-1. and one. In the conference, Syracuse is 3-2. and two. They will play each other at the end of the season. So Clemson is there. So Syracuse has a chance to finish one if anything happened to Clemson or finish two in the Atlantic Division. They're ranked in both the AP and the coaches poll for the first time in 17 years to be ranked in both. 22 in the AP, 24 in the coaches poll. Then the college football playoff ranker comes out and they get put even higher at 19 so six and two started four and zero for the first time since 1991. Ranked in all three polls in the top 25. Still have a chance to win the Atlantic. Have a chance to be number two. There's a lot of positives for Syracuse football right now. What are your thoughts? Oh, I love it. Um, you know they they came really 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 close to be seven and one. And if they were seven and one, they would be in the consideration for what we talk about all the time about the playoffs so you know when we when we talked about this when after they played clemson uh, i told you that I, I think that they should have been ranked just by the way they played against clemson uh that never happened but they certainly earned their right to come back in there you know i've always been a fan of dungy i think he's a, a big strong arm guy probably going to be a maybe a late first round second round pick but he's got to think a little bit better i think he doesn't make the best decisions uh, looks like syracuse is going to be really strong in the future because they got a, a, a young freshman quarterback, DeVito, that looks every bit as good, if not better, than Dungy when he was a freshman. So uh, Syracuse looks strong. I love it. I'm glad they're into the uh, – I'm glad they're in the poll. That's what they should have been all along. So let's hope that they can pull pull through and keep winning and uh, maybe go to a major bowl and uh, get the name out there. They may, they, might, they may lose their coach, though. Well, and, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, Syracuse in a position right now where that man's been, been fielding, and I spoke with Floyd Little about it, and everybody should go listen to my interview with Floyd Little. You can hear it by going to wakeupcalldt.com and clicking on the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, TuneIn Radio, the RSS feed. You can go directly to wakeupcalldt.com 
www.podbean.com, or you can go to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and each of those will have the link. Listen to the interview with Floyd Little. He doesn't give a nugget of information. He gives like 78 of them. So listen. He talks about the contract with Dino Babers. He talks about the situation with Dino Babers. But this is what I find interesting. He told me the final three were DJ Durkin, Scott Frost, and Dino Babers. We saw that DJ Durkin, obviously, some air of not-so-great stuff, you know, some negativity around DJ Durkin in Maryland. He gets fired in season. So that could have been at Syracuse, and instead it's at Maryland, and now he's fired midseason. Scott Frost, Floyd said, we knew he was using us to get to Nebraska, and we weren't going to let it happen. Dino was different. So of the decisions, DJ Durkin, look at where he is. Scott Frost, look at where he is. And Dino Babers, look at where he is. It seems like Syracuse made the right choice, hindsight 2020. Oh, they, sure they did. Sure they did. Uh, you know, we they didn't know that much about Frost. Uh, uh, he comes down to Florida with a, the ripe recruiting ground down here and uh, does a great job in recruiting good players to play for him. Durkin is a nightmare. Uh Talk about him if you want to, but, you know, Durkin was uh, the defensive coordinator of Florida from 2010 to 2014, and I, I don't ever remember his type of behavior uh, uh, coming out that got him fired, but get back to Babers. He certainly is going to be uh, in the hunt for a, a big job. Uh, I don't know if Syracuse will pay him. They certainly should. I don't even know what he makes, but he probably makes less than Lane Kiffin, for crying out loud, for what Syracuse doesn't pay their coaches, so Certainly, Syracuse deserves everything. They deserve Babers. But Syracuse needs to sharpen their pencil or they're going to lose this guy. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is you're going to have to pay him. It's going to have to be three or above, in my opinion. And he's going to field a lot of phone calls. I think you're crazy to think if he hasn't fielded phone calls already, if he hasn't had phone calls last season and the season before and – and whatnot. I mean, I truly believe that this man has has been sought after since he got to Syracuse. So now Maryland's not that far away. If you're Dino Babers, do you consider going to Maryland? Absolutely not. I wouldn't touch Maryland with anyone. No, don't, don't. That's not a that's not a situation where he needs to get involved in. Uh, most coaches are going to be vociferous and. They're going to lose, use inflammatory language, and they're going to cuss and swear and whatever, you know. Uh, but I, I don't know if Babers is that type of coach, but every once in a while they lose their cool. And based on what's happened at Maryland now, I don't, I don't think that Dino would, would even consider uh, going to Maryland, and he shouldn't. No, and, uh, you know, we're in a situation right now where, you know, Dino, obviously they have to lock it up. They have to figure it out. They're going to have to – do what they need to do to keep him where they need to keep him. And, you know, this it's it's tough. It's going to be tough. Syracuse is going to have to pony up the dough. They're not known to ever do that. So they would be stepping out of their comfort zone. But, you know, this is a situation where, you know, Syracuse has, has not been a destination. Syracuse has just been a stepping stone, a part of the journey. How do you change that? Is is it is it just the money? I mean, what do you have to do? Because as Floyd said, he's like, you need to sit the man down, ask him what he wants, and then give it to him. Well, uh, Syracuse can and will uh, continue to recruit nationally for good players. I don't think that's ever been a problem. Maybe they're not an Alabama type of uh, 
recruiting situation. But you know, Syracuse is an attractive place. It's it's the hub of the East. It's got a great venue, plenty of players to choose from. You know, I don't. I can't speak to the uh, the administration of Syracuse because I don't know anything about them. But I do know uh, that they don't pay them well. So uh, I would I would like to see them. You know, maybe open the coffers a little bit. Uh, maybe Babers has already made up his mind. Says, you know, I, you know, I'm six and two. I've done a hell of a job here for the last couple of years, and you know, I don't think I want to hang on here. And I don't know if you're going to see that out of his personality. Maybe he's not that kind of guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve. But he he he's not long to stay there. I mean, you mentioned that Syracuse really has to go three and plus, talking three million and plus. You know, I, I don't see Syracuse doing that. So subsequently, you lose your coach. And that's the crazy thing, and that is the that is the ebb and flow, and and the sadness of it all is that Syracuse essentially this is what they do. You know, they don't pay they don't pay Jim Beheim the money that he deserves. Jim Beheim gets paid, and then he does a bunch of other things to make up for it and put it all together. He he creates his own contract uh, essentially because he gets his money, and then he gets money elsewhere to get him to a place where he can. You know, have a good have have a good income and, and have what he wants. And that is the hardship of this is you want a good coach, you want to build toward the future, you want to get back to it, but you're gonna be a carousel of every four years firing somebody or somebody leaving unless you pay them. And I will say this with love and I will say this with support and I will say this with I'm not trying to be negative. Syracuse, stop telling people you don't have money. Because you just raised tuition to seventy thousand a year, nobody believes you. So just pay. They're asking fans to go on apps and and pay a dollar to the program, buy your tickets, and pay. The, it's you know, it's it's almost like we should just have at every game. We should just you know have the basket like church being passed around, and just you know thirty thousand people throw a buck in the basket, and look at that. That's thirty thousand dollars right there. So you know, it's it, it's it's one of those things where. I don't believe that I don't have money. How are we going to pay for this? Blah, blah, blah. You're going to have to figure it out or else you're always going to have a subpar coach or a coach that doesn't want to be here or a coach that wants to be here that you're not going to give enough money to. So you want to break the chain, show the man the money. Jerry Maguire said it best. Make it happen. That's right. Good job. I like that. So we're really quick here. We have to uh, make our picks. We have uh, a bunch of different games. There's a game today, Thursday, November 1st, Temple at UCF. Central Florida is undefeated. They are in a position right now. Uh, they haven't lost since 2016. And if that continues, then they'll continue the story. And I think they should continue the story because I love to tell it. But Temple has played spoiler before. Temple likes to beat people they're not supposed to. When Navy was good recently, they took them down. Cincinnati was undefeated. They just handed them their first loss. So what do you think about this one, Temple at UCF? No, UCF is going to roll on this one. They're just they're, they're too strong. They have too many good athletes. Uh, Temple has done a good job on occasions, uh, but the, you know UCF is going to run up and down the field, score 50 points, I'm sure. I'm going to go with UCF in this one. I hope it's a good game. Syracuse at Wake Forest. The Cuse does not win on the road, and the last time they went to Wake Forest – Wake had a lot of rain, a lot of mud, and it was a nasty game that ended in favor of the home team. What do you think about this? 
I think is it Wake 50, 50, 50 right now? Are they four and four or something like that? Yeah, Wake uh, Forest is four and four. They uh, they started out doing okay. They played some good talent and fell, and now they're back to four and four. Well, this is a this could be a triple game here for uh, Syracuse. They gotta they gotta stay focused, uh, and certainly Dungey has to have a good game on the road. He's got to make the good decisions. He's got to move the football. Syracuse, you know, talent-wise, probably both teams are about even. Maybe Waste Forks uh, has a little bit more talent. But, you know, Syracuse is on a roll. Uh, Babers won't let him slack. And uh, look, at if, if Dungy can't do it, he's going to make you pull the hook early, like taking him out in the third inning, put in a young kid. But uh, I, I like Syracuse here, but it's a very dangerous game for them. I think it's a dangerous game as well. This is a game that they have to win. This is one that can build some momentum. They have to prove they can win on the road. And I'll tell you right now, they're going at BC, at Wake Forest, and they're playing Notre Dame in Yankee Stadium. So I would suggest that they win this one. I'm going to pick them in this. I think we may see DeVito at some point in it. And hopefully it's if for Syracuse fans, it's not, it's not that close and uncomfortable. It could be. But Syracuse needs to prove that they can win on the road. They don't need to give up 30 or 40 to Wake Forest. And the last game... Where did DeVito come from? DeVito uh, is from New Jersey. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep, he is from New Jersey. I actually got to meet his his family. His his very tan, very Italian, very I-wanted-to-stay-with-them-and-hang-out-all-day and type of family. <laughs> Great. Great. Texas A&M at Auburn, who is, spoiler alert, and crazy, Auburn is unranked. What do we think about this one? I think I think Jimbo rouses his boys up, and I think Texas A&M wins this one. Uh, I don't know what uh, Gus Malzahn's doing at Auburn. He's not, he's not too consistent here lately. Uh, he was supposed to be the big offensive guru that, that scores a lot of points, but uh, Jimbo has a knack of doing the same thing that Babers does and, and uh, Saban does. Uh, he can he manipulates his players. He plays head games with them. They're going to be ready. Texas A&M in this one. Auburn, oh my, how the mighty have fallen. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I'm a, I'm a big Jimbo Fisher fan. I covered him at Florida State, spoke with him for I don't know, five years. So I am a, uh, I'm a fan, and I, I like Jimbo. The only man that can speak so fast he can interrupt himself. (laughs) West Virginia at Texas, both ranked in the top 17 in the country. What do we think about this one? Oh, boy, this is a a good one. Um, I like West Virginia. I like Will Greer. You know that. Uh, uh, I wish he would have stayed at Florida, but he had a problem in Florida where he came back dirty in a a drug uh, uh, test some some brand that wasn't on the list and the poor guy got nailed. Uh, I, I wish he was still in Florida, but with that being said, you know, he's, he's locked and loaded at West Virginia and ready to roll. Um, I, I like West Virginia slightly in this game, even though it's a Texas, uh, I think he's got all the talent in the world. I think his, his wideouts are as good as anyone. Uh, I like, I like West Virginia in this game. I'm going out on a limb for this one. I'm picking West Virginia just because they got a little more offense. Texas plays in the trenches. If they get it in the trenches, it's going. I'm gonna, you know, I would lean on Texas side, but I think Will Greer and the offense will do enough. Do enough, slight. I'm gonna stick with you. This is a tough game to pick, but I'm gonna stick with you on that one. We got a couple more here. I'm gonna throw one at you. Penn State, Michigan. Michigan is just outside of the college football playoff according to the current rankings. They're number five, just outside of the top four. Penn State is 14th. What do you think about this one? 
boy, this is a this is going to be a real good game to watch. A real, really good game to watch. Uh, Franklin does it with his players at Penn State. I got to give him credit for that. Uh, I don't know about Michigan. I just I've never been a Michigan guy uh, for the last couple of years. I just I just don't like the way their team plays. Maybe they maybe they don't play fast enough for me. Like I'm used to these guys running all over the place down here. Uh, Michigan probably on sheer strength should win the game. I think it's a pick 'em game myself, uh, and I think I'm going to pick Michigan. I'm going to go with Penn State in this one. I, I just okay. got a feeling because Michigan hasn't lost since they lost to Notre Dame in week one. So I'm going to go with uh, with, with Penn State in this one. I, I think Michigan going to get a little bit of trouble. They're going to mix it up a little bit. When they lose, they're going to shake up the college football playoff rankings. Last one, Alabama at LSU. Boy, you if the hope the country can tune into this one. This is really going to be a barn burner. They're going to be kicking ass all over the place. Uh, gosh, uh, you know, it, you're playing in Death Valley. There's a million people there screaming and yelling. Uh, but Saban, uh, this is to me, the line is 14 points in this game. I, I don't how you, I don't know how you you get a 14 point difference in this game. I, I don't, I don't find that one. It, it's going to be a going to be a tough game. Uh, Alabama on sheer power and sheer willpower of Nick Zayman is going to pull him through. He's going to, he's going to. Allow his team to, to focus on the, the every single game till the end of the year because he knows when he starts the season, he's going to be number one or close to it, and then it's going to keep progressing to a national championship. And he's not going to let his players forget that. I mean, LSU is going to be a very formidable opponent. Uh, Coach O does a heck of a job down there. All his Bayou boys are ready to raise hell. But I think Alabama, uh, you know, you, you watch Alabama play football, and I've said this before, I get up, I go to the bathroom, I come back, I go out, I go get a Pepsi and I sit down, I'll, they score 14 points. I mean, I don't think they're going to score 28 points in five minutes against LSU, but they are going to score more than enough points to win. Uh, I think that the talent of uh, Alabama overcomes a really, really stout defense at LSU. Yep, I'm picking fly Bama Jamma. So I'm going with Alabama in this one. I think it'll be a good game. I hope it'll be a good game. Talked about here, Daniel. I don't know anything about these teams, but I was riding, looking over the paper this morning, and we have Dartmouth seven and zero versus Princeton seven and zero. When's the last time a couple of Ivy League teams like that were both undefeated? That's I right. Think that's a good shout out to those to those to those teams to those schools who don't give out scholarships. Right, Dartmouth and Princeton both undefeated, and I'm going to go with Princeton. Where are you going? I'm going to go Dartmouth. It's going to be a fun game. I think I don't know if we'll be able. To. Of course, it'll never be on TV, but maybe there'll be some blurbs here and there that we could follow. Yeah, so we're gonna somebody's not gonna be undefeated after that game. That's that's the cool thing about games like that and the fun thing. So that coming from Papa Joe, Papa Joe's picks college football, having a good time this morning. Papa Jay, as always, I appreciate you and uh, love you to pieces. I'll look forward to talking with you soon. And as always, thanks for the conversation. Okay, hey, you hang in there. All right, I will. Bye. Take care. And coming from Papa Jay, let's take a quick step aside. We'll come back with Katie Kalinsky, coach with class, in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. 
first of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Thank you for tuning into this college football conversation featuring Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's Picks. Make sure that you continue to the next part of this broadcast, which is with Katie Kalinske and coaching with class for this November 1st, 2018 show.